and welcome to another episode of the Momos and the Appas, a podcast discussing the Avatar Universe's folklore, episode by episode. We're your hosts, Eric Lafibri, Dr. Amber Jones, and Jessica Tercero. We're continuing our journey through Avatar The Last Airbender. We're still in book one water, but we've made it to chapter 16, The Deserter. In this chapter, we meet the great firebending master and ex-commander of the Fire Nation army, Zhang Zhang, and Aang starts to experiment with firebending. So this is just, uh, as like a behind the scenes for the listener, Mm -hmm. I'm sure you can tell that we recorded the last episode and this episode in the same sitting. Shout out to us. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Because we watched them at the same time. But dipping right in from that episode, Mm -hmm. we see the gang at a Fire Nation fire festival uh, celebrating all things Fire Nation. Aang is outed as an airbender when uh, Katara in disguise is taken on stage for like a magic fire act. Um, He thinks it's going awry, so he stops and puts out the flame. Um, They're like, oh, it's the Avatar. Fuck. Uh, And so then uh, Che, who is a sort of, um, he was a previously like a Fire Nation captain. Um, I think, what is his story? He went rogue? I forget his story. He's like, I was the second person to leave the Fire Nation army, but you'll never hear about me. <laughs> That's you right. You don't get to be okay. famous for that. <laughs> yeah. So he is, he's, he's a silly. Silly. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's silly. He's a character. So he leads them out to safety. And this is where, uh, this is the episode where Aang starts to learn the art of firebending. I don't, yeah, I guess learn because he does learn some valuable lessons but not until somebody he loves gets hurt you know which and honestly i get like it makes so much more sense that you really like open my eyes to this whole trajectory of egg like he's just keeps stumbling into like one bad choice after another and but like kind of like you know shrugging it off and but Katara and Sokka don't seem to see how he is struggling with everything he needs to do here um because like one I do think we learned some important things about firebending it's just Aang doesn't listen to any of them no yeah (laughs) any of them at all um so like I told you guys that I really, really like this episode because as someone who identifies as a firebender living in this world, um, this was like the first time you really got to like dig deep into firebending. We've only seen firebenders bad. And when they battle them, it's just been like fireball, fireball, fireball. It hasn't um, talked about like the real like seat of firebending and I mean like to be fair we haven't gotten that deep into the bending arts yet um, but we get a, a nice view into it like the first thing we really learn about firebending in the series came from Uncle Iroh telling Zuko that firebending the strength comes from the breath you you breathe in and the breath becomes fire and extends beyond your limbs um, with Zhang Zhang, we get to know more of like the philosophy of it. And it's actually really cool, but like Aang just 
just doesn't connect with it at all. Yeah. And also I, I think this is the, like watching him sort of impatiently stumble through this like very important time. Also with like, it's just, it seems like a bit of a, not, it's not really, but like nepotism incarnate, just in terms of like him meeting Zhang Zhang and being like, I'm ready for this. And he's like, you're obviously not like, you're so impatient. You're like, whatever. And then, um, what is his name? <gasps> the other avatar. Roku. Roku's like, you need to teach him now. And that's just it. He's like, fine, whatever. And he goes back. He's like, yeah, you're going to teach me. Ooh. <laughs> I win. I got the job. Mm. Um, one, I thought that that was super cool. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, which also, like, coming off of the last episode where he was told no, seemingly for the first time ever, and then have this yeah. one, the one person who would be willing to teach him firebending be like, no, and and you're not ready, right? It yeah. was like, mm-hmm. holy shit. So he was told no, like, you know, uh, yeah. for the last two episodes. He's super down on himself. He's like, I just want to help people. Um, but like Zhang Zhang is so fucking wise and so smart. Like I loved so many of his lines, like, um, to master, uh, the discipline of the elements, you must master discipline itself first. Right. Yes. And, uh, and thinking about that line is really, really smart. And going into, he's talking about fire as being like alive, right? Because he's mm-hmm. like, you know, the rocks won't throw themselves the, you know, but fire fire grows and it consumes and it you know uh it's about control it's not about Mm. like just throwing a fireball you have to like you have to know how to hold back you know yeah yeah it's it is a really great episode just to see that development or just again to learn about firebending and seeing it more as than just our visual evil or our visual nemesis because thus Mm -hmm. far narratively we see firebending as wholly uniquely intrinsically and always bad destructive Mm -hmm. it's destructive it's negative it's it's constantly bad it is the flame is the villain here Mm. and so this is the first time we're seeing it used in more of a sort of constructive a life giver instead of life taker sort of fluid way and it is really interesting to watch and seeing somebody also like a firebender specifically be like not afraid of it but like um understand that it is not just like boom boom i'm gonna do this and this is great and i look at me look at how powerful i am but like understanding the power of their element and the responsibility that comes with using it um like he he has a reverence for his element in a way that you know i feel like a lot of other benders um especially firebenders take for granted they don't give a shit they're just like cool i can fucking here's a fucking fireball here we go yeah Um, yeah. But he's like he understands it and he is like one with it and we see him and he's like it's almost like he's trying to keep himself in check because uh, along mm. with being I mean he's also like an ex general like Iroh right he's a fucking war criminal too he knows what he's done and he, that darkness is still within him it's still there so it's almost like he's keeping himself in check in the same way mm-hmm. that he's keeping his element in check. Yes, I feel like Zhang Zhang meeting Aang is a huge test to Zhang Zhang's discipline. (laughs) (laughs) 
and I think that he was really disappointed in himself that he even gave in, even in the face of the great Roku. Mm-hmm. Um, like, I, you could, he takes responsibility even when Aang fucks up, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, like, in this episode, I always feel like, man, I'm just team. Zhang Zhang, I think Aang should have had the discipline to just fucking leave that place. Yes. And nothing bad would have happened. It was yeah. kind of weird that I feel like like out of place that Roku was like, you're going to fucking teach me. Like, I, like to me, and then it like I never know. really came back. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. I feel like that payoff wasn't, I don't know. That felt weird to me. It's just big nepotism vibes. It's just yeah, so like, like you're going to give me this job because my daddy forefather you know, says, hook me Roku up. Roku is new to being the guide avatar. And like, maybe yeah. he was frustrated too. He was like, I don't know. We're, we don't know how he's even going to learn fire. We just know that he has to. Just like <laughs> give the kid a break <laughs> yeah. is what I saw roku doing but yeah it doesn't really make sense because roku should also be like no ang you do need discipline how the fuck are you going to do this big important thing you must do and you literally can't take no for an answer are you kidding yeah Mm -hmm. i mean i do like just from a narrative perspective the way that they are pushing ang so hard to being Mm -hmm. such like a gimme 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 immediate i need it like you will not tell me no i will not be rejected to the point where that immediacy that like that the constant necessity that need hurts arguably his most loved loved one because his impatience leads him to this accidental act of of burning katara and i think that's like the biggest He's like, for the first time, seeing like, fuck, maybe my actions do have consequences. Oh, no. Like, <laughs> you Katara know? literally just forgave you for a big thing, and then you fucking burned her. Yeah. Like, he burned her spiritually in the last episode, and in this one, he burned her physically. Truly? And to and me, And she forgave I'm him like, both times hella quick. I, I mean, Katara, I love you, and you are an absolute saint however if we didn't know how this story evolved and that's how quickly you forgave an emotional and a physical abusive person i would be so nervous for you and everything that's going on because it's just so it's too much like you're so you're so you're so much better than this you're so so smart and so emotionally intelligent and so intuitive and so attuned to people and think like you're it you're the leader here and if this little asshole was lying to me and gaslighting me making me feel like shit and then burned me because Mm -hmm. of his own lack of skill and his impatience send me home like i quit i'm out like i don't why what (laughs) Sokka is more pissed than she is right like he's just like you fucking burned my sister no get the fuck away right yeah yeah i was very proud of Sokka. that that was incredible and Sokka is the first one in the last episode that was like nope we're leaving we're done with you right but katara is always the one and i don't know if this is because um 
this is just how they decided to write the femaleness of you know of another female character but like she's always the first one to kind of forgive and to be like no 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 it's okay no I got this and that's something that I hate that a lot of women are written like where it's just like oh something bad happens no it's fine oh don't worry about it no like have your feelings say like no this is fucked up this is not okay you don't have to just be mad for 10 minutes and then pretend like it didn't happen and be making jokes and give somebody a kiss or it's like oh no look I, I I found Neosporin. It's actually not that bad. Like, no, no. this person that was traumatic. You. Yeah, and yeah. a lot of those times too. While you were tropes, telling him to be more fucking careful. Yeah, literally, and that that trope too. Just in a lot of things, like I hate it because then it's always framed like if the femme presenting characters aren't immediately like okay with everything, they're then viewed by the the sort of masculine or male characters to be like oh why are you still thinking about that like you're the wrong one like you're the bad one for not getting over it I and mean, like that's too, always right yeah like, it's always how that's framed from this like toxic male like oh whatever i said i'm sorry like fuck like this gross grotesque no. like you should just accept my bad behavior because i'm a man or i'm a masculine presenting person and it's like it's always so gross and sometimes written for a laugh and i hate it all the time and this is one of those instances where i'm like yeah no katara you're so good get away from it <laughs> like, yeah. he needs to he needs to grow the fuck up he needs to figure some stuff out like in a couple months, maybe. Maybe he'll... I'm like, and I do like that at least in this episode, in that fight with Zhao, when Zhao inevitably shows up and they're in that big standoff and it's it's constant defensive fighting where he's like using his anger and his rage against him. I do like that there is sort of like... It's not a lesson learned, but there is sort of a Aang recognizing to be patient. Like, I feel like that fighting technique is patience of like this person will exhaust himself. I just have to wait and sit back and make sure it's not necessarily about me. Refocus the anger and the energy that they have back at them. I like that that is sort of a narrative direction and a choice, but even then. Well, I feel like he also, he <laughs> he knows Zhao and he knows, especially after knowing yeah. that uh, Zhao was the pupil of Zhang Zhang, right? And he's like, yeah. he's like, okay, he's destructive. He like, he doesn't control stuff. And like right away, Zhao is being like, um, yeah, I got bored. So I left, you know, and <laughs> F this guy. Like, like, oh, that's the dude. That's the dude right yeah, there. Yeah, and you're like, okay, cool. But like, I think, I do think that between um the last episode in this episode maybe ang learned patience because he was fucked because of the last one because he didn't trust people or he didn't fucking wait in the room to hear them say like no we're gonna go and help the avatar right and then in this one he's like okay breath control fuck this breath control fuck this this sucks and he's like oh oh wait i get it i see it now and so he knows that zhao doesn't have um, control over his emotions, over his powers, over anything, right? He's just uh, exactly, he's just yeah. a person that is like just um, putting his trauma and his like um, just his um, his thoughts and ideas, just himself out into the world in such an explosive way. He's such a he's so fucking extroverted about literally everything that like yeah. he. I mean, he literally just in the same way that uh, his uh, ships and this are destroyed. He destroys himself like at the end of this um, at the end of this chapter. Right. Like he destroys everything that he built because literally he can't control himself because all he wants Mm -hmm. is more power and to be more and to be bigger and to, you know, 
um, mm. and to just get his goal no matter what the cost. Um, yeah. So yeah, I, it just feels like it, it. To me, it felt like Aang knew, like, okay, this guy is going to run himself out. This guy is not. Mm. He's coming for me with like he's going to kill me. He's not thinking about what he's doing and remembering yeah. that fire is living and that it is going to burn mm. things like these wooden ships that he came here on. You know. Yeah. Um. So to me, that it's felt also- intentional. It oh one hundred percent, and I do like that it does give the the vibe of like, I feel like Aang can see himself in Zhao a little bit, yeah. yeah. From this sort of reckless behavior that he's he's been vilified for, <laughs> this reckless behavior that he's been reprimanded for in the last like few days that we're seeing him, he's starting to see Zhao's impatience and Zhao's like obviously he's so strong and so powerful mm-hmm. and so confident and capable, but he sees that impatience and that lack of recognition of his impatience as like the Achilles heel of this guy. And he's like, Oh, I can't be him. I can't be like that. I have to as like, even as a child, I have to recognize that this is going to be me if I keep going down this path. Mm-hmm. And that recognition within the fight is, is so it is, it is the part of the episode that was like, Oh, it's so well yeah. written. Fuck, fuck, fuck. Like I'm super into it. I agree well written I feel like I'm in the mindset now of just like but I'm still a little mad that Aang got to have his little like greater than thou moment yeah Yeah. again like you just burned your friend the one who rescued you out of an iceberg Mm -hmm. like I'm just, the one, like, the one who's it, done everything for you. Cut, Without you know, like, her, you just, wouldn't be here. Yeah, it, it, it's just—I never thought of it like this before. But I'm like, mm, but isn't that a little shitty? Like that he still gets to be like, you've lost this battle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's wonderful like, performance. It's, <laughs> you're, you're welcome. <laughs> It's, it is real crumb that they do give him his pedestal moment. Like it's it's so unearned. It's yeah. yeah. In both yeah, episodes, they gave him that. You're better than Zhao. Yeah. Zhao is bad. Yeah. But also, like you were supposed <sighs> to learn that lesson, even if you never like fought Zhao. Because again, yeah. you've hurt someone that you care about. Yeah, <laughs> but we got to make sure we know who the good guy is, right? Yeah, because the kids but might I'm get not confused. That bad. But like, it's okay because he learned his lesson in twenty minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's the literally the more I think about it, I I'm excited to hopefully see a change because I do also know, especially with like the way the guitar is written. Later on, we see her. Um, sort of befriending of of Zuko and like that whole narrative where like I feel like they handled that well where like she's like when she's betrayed ultimately like spoiler alert hey shout out um, when ultimately that happens she doesn't just like forgive and forget Mm-mm. like it's very she remembers and she yeah. holds it with her where she's like you did this to me mm-hmm. I was your friend I, 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 I championed you Mm-hmm. I was there for you. I was this person and you shot me in the foot. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Fuck you. Like I, how maybe one day, but how can I now? Like that is, 
not yeah. even a part of the conversation in a way that like should have happened <laughs> here yeah, really, in the really last episode. Have. So really, we know really that like have. we know that she's capable of that, and maybe part of it is like learning from these moments mm-hmm. and growing and being like, I have been stepped on by so many men. I have been stepped on so many fucking times. Not again. Fuck this. Yeah. And fuck you for doing it again. Yeah. And I Maybe. feel like, man, this definitely gives me an, a better perspective of like Katara season three. When yeah. Yeah, yeah. it at times it does seem like she's like a little like scary and like, oh, how far is she going to take it? But like, no, this makes sense. Like she has had to suffer through her friend hurting her kind and kind of like just shrugging it off and like sure like maybe she's not mad that she didn't make a big deal out of it and maybe she knows that Aang is still a good guy but there is definitely a pattern here of her being long-suffering and her being like well I can take it because I'm so strong but I feel like god damn it like you don't have (laughs) to take that shit like little girls out there you don't have to take this shit and be like well I'm just like Katara I'm strong and I can do whatever like oh my god and I feel like the boys can apologize Mm -hmm. well and even if they apologize you're allowed to have your feelings right you're allowed to be angry and you know um I just feel like she's denied herself so much of those emotions that we talked about even if it's like oh no no it's okay or oh no no you know and like it it does suck because we do see her in season three where she's a little bit more angry and she has all of these feelings that she's working with rightfully so being paired up with Zuko you know for a couple episodes having to you know face that bloodbender and having to um you know confront all of these things about her mom it's just it's so hard and like in those moments instead of being like fuck yeah girl you deserve this like you know like feel your feelings we're here for this yeah we're like katara no you're so like she's not no. allowed to have these Is feelings she she's, hurt someone? she's nurturing she's this you know and these are the adjectives that we generally ascribe to feminine characters and yes. but she but this is a prime example of her her strength is being able to like you know hold all this in because the men around her are so fragile that she can't be mad at them for a second she can't be critical of what they do because then their whole world will fall apart and then you know they'll like so it's it's not even a critique of this and this happening it is just enabling this behavior and showing little girls that this is okay and this is how the world is and this is your fucking lot so i'm like to further to further that point so incredibly so from a narrative perspective how do they justify the violence done to katara give her healing powers yeah if that didn't happen she wouldn't have learned how to heal oh my god so to further the idea that she's a nurturing mother literally she's a nurturing feminine female she's nurturing her powers are literally healing her powers are literally healing but that's supposed to be okay because we see zhang (sighs) who is like this really powerful firebender be like oh my gosh i wish i had healing i can just destroy things right and you're like okay but but you could also like you know not destroy things you can control control fire and stop like i don't know like you could use it in ways that are not destructive right you can use it to better people's lives 
like healing is not like sure like that is great and that is so wonderful that you can heal but like literally katara can do that physically and emotionally that's her fucking superpower and that's like the crux of her character and i hate that Like one, I'm 100% down. Like, no, little girls, you don't have to live this way. This is not a way to show that you're strong or whatever. Yeah. At the same time, I actually had a, a different reaction to um, Zhang Zhang saying to her, like, oh, you have this great power, great benders of the water nation. Also notice he says great benders and not just great female benders, even though we only mm-hmm. ever see females using it. I totally believe that there are males out there in the water nation that can also use healing powers because one thing that is just like a bug in my bonnet about this show is the the kind of minimizing the healing power because I honestly think I was like no that's cooler than everything Mm -hmm. that literally like you guys can break a bunch of shit she can fix something and one thing that i was a little disappointed in we'll talk more about this when we get to that episode was no one being like actually it is a fucking amazing superpower to have this healing ability and i know like they think it's just like a feminized thing and that's supposed to mean it's bad or weaker but it's literally not and and so I, I, I guess I feel like two ways about it. Like I get yeah. um, not wanting it to be like feminized, but at the same time, I'm like, or it's like this beautiful, like, like metaphor for like the divine feminine of like, yes, like this power to heal is actually greater than all of the powers to destroy. Um, yeah. And so I just, I just wish there was just like a little bit, well, and I just think- a little, little recognition of it. And I think Zhang Zhan uh, recognizes it a little and I like him for that. And I, I agree with what you're saying where like part mm-hmm. of me loves this part of it's like, oh my God, Katara is so great. But then like, you know, having like gone through and like really talked about this, you know, for 16 yeah. episodes now, I'm like, mm-hmm. but I, it fucking sucks to me because she like literally has to carry everybody's emotional weight and put, put them back together, both like spiritually, emotionally and physically. And I'm like, like at this point in the show, being the only woman that's like regularly on the show, like to me, that's just furthering like, you know, these shitty gender norms. And we're going to get tough next some, next season, which is going to help balance that kind of energy mm-hmm. out, right? Yes. But like, yeah. but still, when you look at this show, it is like, you know, up until season two, she's the only fucking woman there. Like everybody yeah. else is all men. And next season, we're going to get Azula and we're going to get May and we're going to get yeah. um, oh, so many more women. So, and I think yes. that's when it balances out for me. But as um, this is a very masculine centered season. Yes. Mm-hmm. And it's, and it's a little clunky. I'm starting to realize that some of these like big, big structural introductions to what avatar is can like i just cannot get over the fact that again how male centered it is or how like masculine centered like 
everything that Katara has essentially got. Like, it's just, she is so, she is the powerhouse of this show, but they justify everything that she has because of Aang or somebody else or some other male masculine character. So she, on her own, can't have these things without somebody either accidentally doing something to give her that thing or what have you it's and even it's even nasty later in the show too <laughs> i don't feel like that i mean this is kind of getting into it but i i feel like when she's not the only woman in the show like they don't even handle female friendship well um because i mean like Toph and katara don't really get along they're friends like i don't think they would really hang out ever but like they're around yeah. you know and they- like may uh is like May and um, I forget her name. Um, the Ty Lee. Ty Lee are just Ooh. like controlled by Azula, right? Like so. This. So the way of even uh, even portraying female friendship is like just really flawed. And I feel like a big way that this could have been improved is having a woman writer in the room. But oh my god, one hundred percent. Are you yes. like it is? It's so obviously like male like just mask heavy like in this really obtuse and structurally fucked up trashy way like the kiss with Suki wouldn't have happened the oh I'm (sighs) like it's fine ha 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 kiss uh, at the end of the last episode wouldn't have happened um the like um June falling on top of um Iroh wouldn't have happened like all of these little moments would not have happened now that you bring up like the other seasons and all these other characters like I truly I forget so frequently that these characters are coming and I cannot wait to like these di- like these dynamics and relationships like again Tylee and May going to be amazing. Azula going to be amazing. Like Toph, like I cannot wait to talk about Toph Beifong. Like it's going to be so fucking cute. And you know what? Anyways, so I'm getting all of those, really excited. All of those women are all younger. When do we see women in power? When? Yeah. When do yeah. we see a woman in power? Not until Korra. Not until fucking Which, Korra. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, so, anyways, I digress. Can I talk it's, about... I mean, well... Um, the no. Cave of the Two Lovers. Okay. I mean, this is, this is stuff we can edit out. <laughs> yeah. Because well, I was also going to um, say, the fact that, like... I, I mean, I know that, like, women in power structurally, like, from a systemic place. Mm-hmm. But I would even argue, like, Toph by herself as like a pioneer literally a pioneer of bending as like not only an art form or a fight technique but like a lifestyle she she literally created something that is used for generate and you're just like the power she holds absolutely the power a young woman did that but these are all young young kids we don't see any no older generation has this power which is something that in again in like the other iterations of avatar in korra in the uh, kyoshu books and all of this that exists Mm. you know so it's 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 this is a very male-centric uh season (laughs) Um, oh yeah and just kind of like overall but that's okay something that i did love you want to talk about it is interesting uh oh no no no, go ahead oh i was just saying i was like and if you think about it there are historical examples of the power of women in you know the story of amashu in like Janora mentions there's like some like fire princess that like rides her dragon into a volcano or something like that um so there's there's plenty of history and so it feels like very much a choice in this first season 
to yeah. not really reflect those realities that are in this universe. Or like the one woman that we see in power, I think is, I mean, like, sure, you can say like the Kiyoshi warriors were powerful. Um, yeah. But like, I feel like they were just like a side note or when, then the, the one, is... uh, the fortune teller woman, she's like, yeah. you know, but she tells fortune, she's not real. They had this whole episode about like, you know, pointing her out as a fraud. You know what I yeah. mean? Um, so when it's, is it's, when is interesting? When is the 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 um the telling of the Kyoshi story? We haven't gotten there yet, right? Not yet, no. Okay. I think that's season three. Is that season three? I'm... When they go to the festival and they talk more about Kyoshi. Yeah, where well, we learn about her and like the edge of the cliff where so and so falls that's off the cliff. Like three. that's way later. Mm-hmm. Oh dang. Okay. So I was like, I feel like that's like coming up, but I'm, I guess not. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. Um, either way, it like it just it is. You're so right. Mm. This is such a glaring, uh, and like gross telling from such a masculine perspective. It's just like 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 we I know like that it's po- two more uh, criminals and like no women in charge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like how has that happened? And I and I do like I like that it's it's they're forcing these characters into these positions where they are having to like reconcile like intent and and like personal accountability and 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 how like even if it's unintended, the consequences of your actions, both when it comes to like close friendships or otherwise, or or your future or lineage or like all that stuff. I love that that's what's happening here, but like the underpinning narrative from the way that it is happening is still so just blah. Like, come on, give me a give me a more intense, like more intentional Katara, like later who. I literally, I cannot wait to talk about her relationship with Zuko. Oh my gosh, you yes. guys. It's going to be so sick. But we have one, like, one main character that's a woman on screen. Isn't that enough? Like, oh my gosh. Like, yeah. we've we've solved, like, inequality. It's here. She's there. And, like, we said the word sexist in the first episode. What yeah. else uh, on the do back. you want? Did you expect us to not be sexist? Yeah. Girl, boss, energy. Let's go. <laughs> You only need one. (laughs) Let's go. She's the token Uh, woman in this first season, y'all. I was like, yeah, Yeah. but she's a really cool woman. Why aren't you happy? But. Yeah. yeah. Truly, the more we talk about it, the more. Like, I honestly, a lot of this perspective I did not get on the first viewing. I was just like, oh, Aang is like kind of a dick or like Mm -hmm. is being silly. But, oof, what a, what a. What a rough and tumble yes. episode this is. And like I cannot I hate it now. The the triumphant <laughs> you're so right, Amber. The triumphant <laughs> like at the end, like, I bested you and I'm the winner. <laughs> and then he like flies away and you're like, You little brat. Like you little asshole. asshole. Like what a, what? Like you suck. You're not yeah. good here. Oh my god. You're not a good guy watched, in the story. Yeah. Watching it, I was like, oh yeah, you got him. Wait, go. That kind of gave me um Katara like, you know, savior vibes. Where he's like, mm, Yeah. I did yeah, yeah like, you burned yourself. Sorry. Yeah. It's it's this like 
this like unearned justify like this smug justice performance where you're like no what? no 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 have not some the point. self not yeah. the point a not the point but b have some self-reflection like you have yeah. not been doing well the last few days <laughs> you're not having a good good not week oh oh my god can i tell you guys about my favorite part of this episode Yes. Yes. <laughs> it happens basically right away when uh, they notice the the Fire Nation uh, town that's having the thing, and Appa has to hide, and he hides behind the <laughs> little bush. <laughs> it's very cute. Part of this very very cute. There's lots of little cute parts. Like I thought you were going to talk about when they're in the fire festival and they get the mask and then Katara switches. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Aang and Sokka's mask, and you're like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, we didn't even talk. I mean, that that whole first part is, like, kind of inconsequential. Like, we see a little bit of, like, the propaganda that, you know, and how quick, like, how early they start the kids on, like, we're the Fire Nation, we're the greatest. Um, And we see, like, Aang, like, just be silly and be like, oh, I want to be your, I want to be your person. Let me do it. And foolishly airbend and then uh, hilarity ensues. But yeah. Um, yeah, the first like, what, like seven minutes was kind of nothing. Kind of. Yeah. It yeah. also is a little a bit little... weird that I guess they're in Fire Nation territory, right? So like, yeah, I guess they're it, in Fire Nation I, territory. It, it would have to be a Fire Nation town in the Earth Kingdom. Yeah, I guess. Right? I guess, like, because I was a little bit confused yeah. by that. Like, where are they, and mm, why? But then, why? I think that there's just like some Fire Nation strongholds in the area that they're in. They did get like a message from an Earthbender messenger. That's true. Yeah. Okay. So it's it's in the Earth Kingdom, but it's like a full on mm. Fire Nation city, which I didn't realized that existed i thought there was just like military outposts fun little fact the writer of this episode this is his third episode on the show his first episode was episode 14 the fortune teller mm. um he's he's a credited staff writer from season 114 all the way through season 321 so essentially the end starting at episode 14 but solo credited writer for uh, the Deserter in season one. That's his only like standalone mm. uh, episode, even though he's like staffed on all the other cool. episodes. Well, he decided it was great narratively to have Katara get burned. The I one know. Pr- I'm like, trying to why like... not Sokka? Why not like one of the other men or something? We have to fucking burn I'm... Katara and then just let her like, forget honestly, about that. In the fortune teller, Katara's also kind of dumb. Yeah. I know. And that's kind of what I'm like, I'm wondering. Like, Ooh, because I also want to see, like, as a standalone writer, this is the first one we've come across that this writer wrote. He also wrote The Swamp, which I think is interesting, um, just narratively. Oh, God, I love The Swamp, though. Yeah. (laughs) I know. Well, I want to go back and, like, on a rewatch, like, with this in mind, I want to see. So, yeah, the Avatar, there's, when we get to it, I'm excited. Okay, yeah, we'll we'll revisit. Yeah, because he's... He's he's 100% staffed, but as a standalone writer, it's uh oh, and he's on Cora. What episode? He was he was a staff writer from season 2 through the end of the series on Cora, 
and he wrote looks like like 12 or 13 episodes as a solo writer hmm. wow very interesting. interesting we're gonna have to start very, paying very attention to who wrote what episodes and then connect our feelings to those people yeah i was like are, are they an asshole or not because <laughs> literally because some of the bet like it's it's so strange because like obviously there's like a st- there's a room they have staff writers for the show and they all kind of pitch and they all help develop it from mm-hmm. a like a real way so it doesn't feel like a bunch of disjointed trash mm-hmm. but each one of those writers will have standalone written by credits as like this was my episode this is my written by boom here it is mm-hmm. so i like i do because it's some episodes are kind of stinkers from an ethics perspective <laughs> or from like a femme perspective or like mm-hmm. from a queer perspective like some of them are really like kind of nasty cis straight guy shit yeah and then some of the other ones are like so lovely and intentional and like nurturing and i'm like mm-hmm. these are not the same minds they're and not. obviously it it bothers me a bit knowing how much back padding happens about like this show for yeah. its feminism for its queerness and all sorts of stuff um, but yeah, you're totally right. There are plenty of episodes where if you really like look at it, they are stinkers. <laughs> kind of like they'll still be fun, but just I'm, ethically, yeah. it's just a little like a little silly. Like, yeah, ew, like that's really the like like this episode. Like that's really the choice. Like that's yeah, how like, I this narrative. like really like oh. this episode, but like I can't stop like feeling queasy. I'm like. First, Aang ignored yeah. Katara, and then he fucking earned her. Yeah, no, it's, not okay, not oh. okay. It's bigger deal. Fuck, yeah, <laughs> bigger deal. Um, thank you all so thank much you. for joining us on this lovely, absolutely gorgeous little other episode of the Momos and the Appas. <laughs> Music and editing by Eric Lefebvre. Artwork by David Tercero. Do not forget to rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Best rating, please. And please, kind and please. Words. And remember, it's so, so important that you always remember that Uncle Ira was a war criminal. He was a war, war criminal, criminal. And we will never forget it. <laughs> um, goodbye. We'll leave Bye. you there. See you later. Goodbye. This podcast has been brought to you by the Nostalgia Network. Visit thenostalgianetwork.com for more. You enter the dungeon and see the evil wizard pointing his wand directly at you. He says, show me a funny and delightful actual play Dungeons and Dragons podcast or I'll consume your souls. What do you do? I take out my phone and find Quest Friends Forever on Spotify. I show him how to find Quest Friends Forever on Apple Podcasts. I share the Quest Friends Forever Instagram and YouTube pages with him. And you all get critical hits! Yay! Quest Friends Forever is an actual play podcast starring four friends with varying levels of Dungeons & Dragons experience. Join us for new episodes every other Wednesday as we embark on fantasy adventures, play fast and loose with the rules, and laugh at each other's shenanigans. No prior D&D knowledge is required to listen, so everyone can feel free to join the fun. Quest Friends 4, that's the number 4, like how there's 4 of us, ever. 
Find us on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's Quest Friends Forever.